Hello and welcome to Stump Death in Taxes. This is Meep, also known as Mary Pat Campbell. Meep is my nickname. Today I'm going to be talking about data, <laughs> data in good order, and uh, public finance. No, don't go away. Um, this is in response to another podcast, and again, don't go away, uh, the Public Money Pod. This is hosted by Justin Marlowe and Liz Farmer from the University of Chicago, uh, I think, Public Finance Center, and uh, from the Harris School of Public Policy. And this is their most recent episode. It's a weekly podcast. Uh, this is their 24th episode uh, named Fix It Financial Leadership with Mark Scott. Now, one of the great things about this podcast, as opposed to mine, which is just me talking into a microphone. Um, so the two of them get people who, and it's not always people who are working in the trenches, but they can get people who actually work in municipal government and usually financial officers, and it, you know, it comes from who the sponsor of the podcast is. Uh, one of the sponsors is um, one of those organizations uh, for municipal financial officers in the United States. And so Mark Scott has been a manager, city manager in California or across Southern California, I would say. Um, and areas of California, starting out in Beverly Hills. And they bring these people on and interview them. And he had some interesting things to say. And from someone who works in finance, albeit not public finance, some of the stuff he had to say was very interesting because, of course, I'm blogging from the other side, especially my ears perked up when he mentioned San Bernardino because it had gone through bankruptcy. And over several years, I was following the bankruptcies of Stockton and San Bernardino in California. Those two cities went through municipal bankruptcy at the same time. Now, my main interest in following the bankruptcies at the time was what would happen with CalPERS. So that's the California pension plan that kind of sits outside the various municipalities and wrenches their arms and forces them to pay. Um, for the longest time before Detroit's bankruptcy, CalPERS was able to keep in federal bankruptcy proceedings. So remember when it's a municipal, I think it's chapter nine bankruptcy, uh, and the municipalities go through these bankruptcy proceedings. The whole point of a bankruptcy is to say, I cannot pay, and this is from a balance sheet perspective, not necessarily an income statement perspective. And again, I'm, I'm speaking the words of finance. So I have all of these debts accrued. So money I, I, owe other people. So it can be bonds, loans, you know, all sorts of debts accrued money I need to pay back. Not flows of money per se, but that is, is neither here nor there. Uh, and I need to basically get these written down. I need to get stuff off the books and start from a fresh balance sheet somehow. It doesn't mean liabilities go to zero, but I need to get everybody in court. We're going to agree on a 
fresh starting point. Um, and generally that does mean that the creditors, so the people that are owed money, are going to have to take a loss on their debt. And you have unsecured creditors and yada yada, and bondholders can get defaulted on. You know, all sorts of things can happen in bankruptcy court. Well, for the longest time, when it came to bankruptcies of California municipalities, CalPERS had been able to argue in federal bankruptcy court that the pensions were not able to be defaulted on. And by that, I mean that they couldn't say, well, any pension debt, and I will have to come back to that another time in terms of what's the funded status of CalPERS overall, even for those you know, those municipalities that have been paying in that, no, you are not allowed to say, well, you're an unsecured debt uh, creditor and we're just going to say sucks to be you. Uh, it doesn't work that way with CalPERS currently. Um, yeah, that was a pregnant pause on purpose. So that had been going on. So I wanted to see what he had to say about dealing with the San Bernardino um, uh, situation. And yes, he absolutely did mention about the situation with CalPERS. And I will go back to that because, of course, when Detroit was going through its bankruptcy, CalPERS had to stick its oar in. And you're like, what has that got to do with Detroit and Michigan uh, with regards to the Detroit pensions? And it turns out, of course, that Detroit pensions did get a haircut. It wasn't a huge cut, but even retirees found their their pension payments while they were in retirement did take a hit in the Detroit bankruptcy. And CalPERS was not happy about that. But getting back to Mark Scott. Uh, one of the things he was mentioning about San Bernardino, and I remember this versus Stockton. Uh, Stockton, if I recall, their financial statements were in good order. I mean, they just were in a financially distressed position. San Bernardino, though, was an extreme mess with regards to their contracts, with regards to their financials. And I believe in the interview in the podcast, uh, Mark Scott mentioned that they were in arrears for four years. They did not have four years of their annual comprehensive financial reports finished, which I'm sorry, <laughs> you're not supposed to do that. I mean, you're not supposed to let it slide more than a year even. So uh, that was bad. And that now takes me to the next topic and the reason I'm responding in the first place. It's actually not even about pensions and bankruptcy, not in the first step. It's about the Financial Data Transparency Act, which was one of the things shoehorned in into the omnibus bill at the end of the year, or I don't remember which bill per se it was stuck into. I remember it being in there and a bunch of us outsiders like me, being happy, like, finally, maybe we won't have to be <laughs> typing in numbers from PDFs anymore. Uh, so you, you might be going like, what are you talking about? Well, most of us who do financial analysis, and I will bring it to my day job in a moment, 
Um, we get our data, we download it from a variety of data aggregators and that kind of thing, but they originally get it from, um, so we, I get it from companies, but not directly from the companies, from data, ag, you know, a data provider that gets the data feeds via electronic means in standardized formats. This is what's called machine readable data. I mean, it could be comma separated values files, but it's not PDFs. Um, uh, that's the concept at least. However, I've been running into data problems and this is again, going back to actuarial standards of practice. And yeah, I'm going to be annoying about this as an actuary. Other professions, you should get some standards of practice yourself. Data quality is a good one to have. Uh, that you need to do data quality checks. Note, this is not audits. We're not expected to do this. But we noticed in my team, and I'm the sole actuary on the team, but it doesn't matter. We all care about data quality because all of our analysis are based, you know, all of the analysis is based on this data. And if the data isn't good, we can't do good analysis. Um, some of the numbers were coming through as text. Yes, we're doing this in Excel, but it doesn't matter if it was in Excel or not. Whatever software system we use, we needed to make sure the data came in that were numerals. I mean, it's just characters were being interpreted in as numerical values and not as strings of these characters, which happen to be digits, that were not being added together when we needed to add numbers together. Um, so a lot of people know about this with the little green triangles in the corner of the rec in the corner of the cell in Excel, Microsoft Excel, which is a uh, number stored as text. Yeah. So we've had to start putting in all sorts of cross checks to make sure everything in the cells are numerical. So that was one annoyance and annoyance number two was that a certain set of companies that are in a special situation, I will not get in machine readable form, machine downloadable form until June while everything else is ready now. But I want to do the analysis now. The data are there in PDF form. So this is a, about 90 some companies and I'm like, okay, well, I'm not entering all of these by hand. I found the five key companies among these 90 companies and, and it's not all the numbers from the, these, you know, 100 page PDFs. I just need to find certain key numbers in these PDFs. And so I entered them manually into my spreadsheets. This is not ideal, but this has been the state of people who have been doing public finance uh, analysis that we have had to, you know, base our analysis on databases that are built up from people manually entering numbers. I did one of my spotlights on the public plans database. That database has been built up from actual reports and these annual comprehensive financial reports that are all in PDFs. They're not in originally in spreadsheets that they download and upload. They're not in standard formats. So these comprehensive financial reports, it's not even always the same 
way that it looks every year, at least the PDFs I'm looking at. So this is insurance reporting. At least they all look the same because they have to report to the regulators the same numbers in the same format in the you know, same pages. So I could look for a specific numbered page for the particular numbers I want. That's not how it works in municipal finance. You don't know what page number it's going to be for. Sometimes you can search for key terms, but a lot of times I'm just doing flip, flip, flip through the PDF if I'm looking for a specific number. And I've had to do that before when I've done some estimates for um, people out of actuarial reports of if you want to, as um, sorry, adjust the pension value for the valuation interest rate, and you want to change it by plus or minus one percentage point. Well, it's in the actuarial report, but, you know, I can't tell you what page it's going to be on. I have to go and look for where it is. Um, and they won't necessarily, you know, there's certain kinds of terms that are usually there, but they don't always use the same terms. So I have to go and look, and then I have to see how they presented the numbers. So someone actually has to take time and look. If we can have some standardized formatting and we can have a, you know, standardized approach and I at least can just, you know, suck it all up into a spreadsheet, that's going to save time for people like me and these nonprofits like the public plans database won't have to spend any as many resources, they still will need to do data checks, but they won't need to spend as many resources building up their database. So some of the conversation with Mark Scott, though, was talking about um, having this data available or just data in general available across multiple years of financial reports, maybe building dashboards or um but he was also saying building certain kinds of financial ratios over time. And this is like some of the analysis I do. And having this kind of information available to decision makers will help them or may help them. I, I don't want to make it stronger than he perhaps actually said, make better decisions. Now, because, of course, uh, the positions he's been working in, Yes, he's been an executive, you know, a city manager or CFO and, and that kind of person uh, within municipal government, not an elected position per se, uh, but a managerial position where he's, you know, managing the operations and getting the finances together and organizing it and getting the reporting for the actual politicians who are elected who are going to be ultimately responsible to voters. That said, I'm going to push back a little. <laughs> so, I mean, someone like me who's a complete outsider, who's not going to have a direct influence on decisions, we love this kind of stuff. I mean, this is going to make it very easy for me to aggregate a bunch of information across municipalities across the United States. There's still going to be some variation in terms of the quality of data that you're going to get from different municipalities, but it's going to be easier to get data uh, for groups such as the uh, public plans database. They had to prioritize putting their database together since it's all been manually entered. There's other groups like Truth and Accounting and Open the Books that have also 
accumulated uh, data sources. Some of them came from data sources that were machine readable, uh, but uh, others of them, I know they had to build the data manually. So having this machine readable is just going to make it a lot easier for us outsiders to do analysis, but we're not the decision makers. The decision makers, to a certain extent, have had access to information. Maybe they'll be able to get better information because of the systems that will be required in order to do this kind of reporting and not just generate PDF reporting. Okay, I understand that because it's going to require upgrades of systems in many places and will also give an impetus to uh, software systems to actually develop something because now you have a market because they're going to be required to do this. Not a problem. And yeah, the municipal bond market, you, it might actually be a boon there for uh, investors in that market. And you might actually get uh, capital coming in because now they can actually, they have cheaper information in terms of you don't have to work as hard to get the information to do the analysis. A lot of the um, publicly traded companies and that kind of thing, we've got the information. It reduces the friction of trading costs in terms of doing information and analysis, but it also gets away, it also uh, removes any arbitrage of information. So people who are specialists in that area, perhaps the alpha they could get from that specialty knowledge, I don't know, because I think there still is specialty knowledge in that area. Uh, anyway, um, there are you can have the financials, but you still need to understand, and this is wh where I'm going with my argument, you still actually need expertise to take those numbers and make sense out of it in terms of where are the risks and where are the decisions to be made and where is it likely to go. But really getting down to it for the political decision makers, a lot of times when bad decisions have been made and ended up in municipal fi public financial disaster, it was not a failure of information they knew. Like um, in the case of Detroit, I mean, there was fraud involved with some prior political leaders. I'm not sure what information per se, given fraud was involved in some of the prior run-up that would have, you know, how that would have helped. Perhaps forcing it to be in a better information situation would have also forced them to streamline their various union contracts in Detroit before they got to um, a bankruptcy, though that wasn't necessarily what caused the bankruptcy either. There were a lot of things going into that bankruptcy for what it's worth. Um, not just the fraud, not just having <laughs> a union with one member um, that was, you know, it, it makes for good news stories, but that's not what caused the bankruptcy. Um, that was a very colorful bankruptcy, as it were. But there were many things that came into the D Detroit bankruptcy, but a big pressure for the Detroit bankruptcy was that it lost like 10% of its population within a relatively short period of time. It's not that 
the politicians didn't have that information. That's a very high level piece of information. They just didn't want to act on it. And that's usually what happens. And this is a lot of municipal finance disasters. It doesn't happen in one year. It happens over 20 years. It happens over 30 years. Most of the time, it's not that there's bad information and it's not that a decision needs to be made rapidly and you need rapid information. Even with, you know, machine readable data, some of these pieces of data, such as a pension plan valuation, that lags a lot. It takes a long time to do those kinds of valuations and certain pieces of information just take longer to generate. But luckily, with regards to municipal finance, this stuff doesn't fall apart rapidly. That's not, this is not a company that is, has to do flash trading. That's not the nature of public finance. What happens is decades of bad decisions. And it's not because of bad information. It's usually because they don't want to deal with the reality of the situation. It's like, no, I don't want to stop eating my Krispy Kreme donuts in the morning. I know that's not good for me, but I'm going to keep doing it. They know, they know that not contributing everything that they should be contributing to the pension plans is not a good idea. However, we've gotten away with it so far. It's the bad information they get is not from the financials. The bad information is stuff like, oh, 80% funded is just fine, even though we've had 10 years of a bull market and we're only 80% funded for the pension plan. That's bad information, not, not, not having to wait six months to find out what the funded ratio is. That has no effect. <laughs> It has no effect if you're going to perpetually underfund your pension. Um, yeah, we never have to have our pension funded. It's okay. Yeah, that's bad information. <laughs> that's really the problem for a lot of places. Uh, so while, yes, I'm really looking forward to, and I don't know what timeline, by the way, it, the I don't know the details and it sounded like, I mean, this is federal law and it sounded like there really wasn't much in the way of resources, timelines, or any, or any really, you know, strong requirements in this financial data transparency act, just an expectation that municipalities would go towards that. But having that expectation at least is a help. It at least gives vendors, software vendors, something to shoot for. And once you have like, okay, now this is going to be best practices, they can start developing products and know there's a market for it. So, um, you know, I'm just going to sit here and I guess I can wait about 10 years. <laughs> I won't be retired yet at that point. I still won't even be 60 years old. Oh my gosh. Um, so, you know, I can sit around and wait. <laughs> I know a lot of the people in this space who they're doing it as a hobby like me. Um, I know a lot of them are retired and maybe 
it's more difficult for them to wait. But for me, you know, I've been doing this since my 30s. So it's like, ah, okay, I can wait another decade for this data to come out. It's okay. Anyway, that's been Stump, Death and Taxes. Bye-bye. Oh, <laughs>